Welcome to Pulse of the Caribbean, Caribbean News Roundup. Here's a look at some of our Caribbean headlines for today. Haiti police open fire and demonstrators, journalists killed. Leader of Haitian advocacy group urges two-year transition government. United Nations House in Jamaica to be completed in new fiscal year. Jamaica continues work on global services scale project. U.S. Virgin Islands announces study to support economic recovery and development in the territory. OECS calls for applications for Eastern Caribbean Green Entrepreneurship Accelerator Program. Liberty Puerto Rico reports $1.5 billion in revenues for 2021. And the BRICS Hotel, autographed collection by Marriott International, newest hotel in Trinidad and Tobago. These and other stories on today's Pulse of the Caribbean, Caribbean News Roundup for Thursday, February 23rd. We start our report today in Haiti. HaitiNews.net via Riders reports that Haitian police on Wednesday opened fire on demonstrators demanding higher wages and killed a reporter, according to witnesses and a hospital official in the Caribbean island nation. Two other journalists were shot and wounded at the scene in Port-au-Prince. Hundreds of Haitians gathered to call for higher minimum wages than the one approved this week by the government of Prime Minister Ariel Henry. Haiti on Monday hiked the minimum wage by as much as 54 percent following weeks of demonstrations by garment workers who said their wages did not keep up with the rising cost of living. The protesters on Wednesday were mostly part from the garment sector, which exports finished products to the United States retailers. Those workers receive a 37% increase that took their wages to just under $7.50 a day, half of what union leaders had demanded. Reuters reports that leaders of a group of Haitians concerned about the Caribbean country's future has called the formation of a provincial government to booster security and ensure free elections in two years. The nation of 11 million, the poorest in the Western Hemisphere, has been in a political vacuum since President Jovenel Moise's assassination. Gang violence has some politicians worried that Haiti is in no condition to hold elections. We're too close to the situation of chaos, group leader Fritz Jean, an economist, said in a Zoom interview from his Port-au-Prince home, adding voters would be unable to participate given the country's security problems. The group, which calls itself Montana Accord for the Montana Hotel in Port-au-Prince, where they have been meeting, has proposed that Jean, 65, lead a provincial government replacing Prime Minister Ariel Henry. The group includes civil leaders, former politicians, journalists, economists, and entrepreneurs who have met for nearly a year to discuss a common political platform. Henry, backed by the United States government and major foreign powers, has in recent days tweeted that the next government will only arrive via elections. Consulted about the Montana Accord, the Prime Minister's office referred Reuters to a January speech by Henry in which he said there was no legal or constitutional way to choose a legitimate interim president. 
Jamaica Information Service reports that the government of Jamaica has allocated $103.5 million to complete the establishment of the United Nations House in Jamaica during the upcoming fiscal year. The project being implemented by Jamaica's Ministry of Economic Growth and Job Creation through the National Land Agency with funding from the government of Jamaica seeks to renovate Block 11 and 14 to 16 Port Royal Street in Kingston for use as the UN offices. For the new fiscal year, external work will be completed at the location, including fencing, the establishment of a security building and systems, softscaping and hardscaping. The project, which began in April 2017, is now scheduled to end in March 2023, following several extensions. Up to December 2021, under the project, demolition activities were undertaken in sections of the existing structure and existing building floor floors 1, 2, 3 were renovated. Jamaica Information Service also reports that a sum of $710.2 million is earmarked to continue work under the government's Global Services Skill Project during fiscal year 2022-2023. The project, which commenced in January 2019, is being implemented by Jamaica Promotions Corporation, JAMPRO, aims to promote growth in the global services sector locally, particularly the higher value-added segments. It specifically intends to provide the sector with better skilled workers and increase Jamaica's institutional capacity to attract foreign direct investments and increase imports. Achievements up to December 2021 include commencement of a Global Services Sector 2021 Internship Program, activation of Global Services Sector 2020 Pilot Program, development of an Industry Scale Upgrade Strategy, and commencement of Online Content Developer Consultancy to support partner agencies Heart NSTA Trust. Targets for 2022-2023 include commencement of training for 6,000 new entrants by heart in the Enhanced Job Readiness and Digital Skill Curricula, completion of the GSS 2021 Apprenticeship Program, and commencement of the 2022 edition, and implementation of the GSS Information Platform. An additional $810.2 million is earmarked for the program engagements in 2022. 2023 and 2024. The project, which runs until January 2024, is being financed by the Inter-American Development Bank. The Virgin Islands Consortium reports that the U.S. Virgin Islands Governor Albert Bryan announced a new U.S. Virgin Islands labor shed study whose aim is to support economic recovery and development across the territory, according to the U.S. Virgin Islands Government House. The study being conducted by Virginia-based firm J&M Global Solutions in conjunction with the University of the Virgin Islands will assess workforce skills, identify training needs, and provide recommendations to better prepare the current workforce and a new generation of workers for job opportunities in the years ahead. The study was made possible through funding and support from the U.S. Federal Emergency Management Agency, FEMA, and the U.S. Economic Development Administration. 
This important study is a key component of the U.S. Virgin Islands 2040 plan, Governor Bryan said. The results will benefit the territory greatly as we prepare our current workforce and invest in the next generation of homegrown talent who are critical to the sustainment of our economy. According to the release, Labor Shed study is designed to offer a deep dive into the U.S. Virgin Islands workforce and the training education system that supports it. The analysis will identify competitive advantages of the U.S. Virgin Islands workforce along with areas of potential challenges. Specifically, the study will focus on current and future talent needs in the eight targeted industry sectors. Low vaccination coverage in many countries of the Caribbean must be urgently addressed to stop the spread of COVID-19 and protect the most vulnerable, warned Pan American Health Organization Director Carissa F. Ethian with healthcare workers and the elderly remaining particularly at risk. Out of the 13 countries and territories in the Americas that have not yet reached the World Health Organization's 2021 goal of 40% vaccination coverage, 10 are in the Caribbean, she said at a media briefing. Vaccine hesitancy, a lack of vaccination centers in remote areas, insufficient staff numbers, and limited cold chain infrastructure remain huge barriers to vaccination in many islands. But we now have the tools to turn the tide on vaccinations in the Caribbean. With 700 million people People now vaccinated in Latin America and the Caribbean, there are real-world data to show that vaccines are safe and effective against COVID-19, the Pan American Health Organization director said. But interventions must now be tailored to the needs of those that remain vulnerable in each country. A recent survey by the Pan American Health Organization and UNICEF, supported by USAID, showed that 51% of vaccine-hesitant people in the Eastern Caribbean were open to changing their minds after seeing more scientific and medical evidence to support vaccination. Turning to the COVID-19 situation in the region, new cases declined by 28% from the previous week to 2.2 million. That's also fell for the first time since the beginning of the Omicron wave to 29,000, a 9% drop. With the exception of Honduras, deaths also dropped to 17% in Central America, though Nicaragua experienced a surge in new infections. In South America, deaths increased by 13%, with spikes remaining in some areas, including Chile. In the Caribbean, new infections fell by 44%, yet eight countries and territories reported an increase in deaths. Applications are now open for the Eastern Caribbean Greenpreneurs Interest-Free Loan Program. The Interest-Free Loan Facility will be a feature of the Eastern Caribbean Green Entrepreneurship Initiative Accelerator Program. The goal of the Accelerator Program is to contribute to the growth of green businesses, resulting in the creation of green jobs and improved livelihoods for people of the Organization of Eastern Caribbean States. The program targets high-potential enterprises in the growth stage, offering investor matching services and funding through the Global Green Growth Institute 
Green Innovative Fund. The interest-free loan program offers investments of up to $50,000 to cover operations or and capital expenses of selected beneficiary enterprises. The program aims to facilitate the development, establishment, and growth of innovative green enterprises in six OECS member states, namely Antigua and Barbuda, Dominica, Grenada, St. Kitts and Nevis, St. Lucia, and St. Vincent and the Grenadines. The program is being implemented by the Global Green Growth Institute in partnership with the OECS Commission with funding from the Qatar Fund for Development. To be eligible for green entrepreneurs must have business models aimed at solutions addressing environmental or sustainable development goals. The application deadline is April 24, 2020. A program information webinar will be held on Tuesday, March 8, 2022 at 11 a.m. to provide potential applicants with more information on the program. Visit the OECS.org website for more information. My View News reports that Liberty Puerto Rico reported $1.5 billion in revenue for the year ending December 31, 2021, a 133% increase from the $624.1 million on record for the prior year. The increase is attributed to its acquisition of AT&T's wireless and wireline operations in Puerto Rico and the U.S. Virgin Islands on October 31, 2020. This year marked our first year as a fully integrated communications provider. Our results clearly demonstrate that we fulfilled our customers' expectations and retained their trust commented Najee Corey, president of Liberty Puerto Rico. Over the past 12 months, Liberty Puerto Rico added 72,000 customers to its fixed services, cable, broadband, and telephony, and 38,900 postpaid mobile subscribers. The mobile subscriber base growth was offset by the prepaid mobile segment, due mostly to distribution challenges amongst retailers in Puerto Rico that are being worked on. Liberty also added 22,600 new fiber home pass during 2021. Liberty also reported consolidated operating income before depreciation and amortization of $141 million for the fourth quarter of 2021 and $595 million for the full 2021. The numbers show a reported growth of 22% in the fourth quarter of 2021, compared to the same quarter in the previous year. This growth is considered the positive impact on revenues partially offset by higher programming and labor costs, the company stated. In related news on Wednesday, the Federal Communications Commission, FCC, issued a notice seeking comments on a petition that Liberty Mobile Puerto Rico filed seeking a declaration ruling or waiver stating that AT&T Inc. must port to Liberty approximately 24,000 wireless numbers assigned to approximately 16,000 different customers located in Puerto Rico and the U.S. Virgin Islands. It also acts that iConnective, the local number portability administrator, take whatever administrative steps are required to permit that porting to occur. Liberty told the FCC that it acquired these wireless customers as part of its acquisition of AT&T's wireless business in Puerto Rico and the U.S. Virgin Islands in October of 2020. 
This public notice is part of FCC's standard procedures when companies file a petition with the commission. The agency then publishes a notice so people can submit their comments or questions regarding that particular issue, said Carla Framel, vice president of legal at Liberty Puerto Rico. Now Grenada reports that Grenada's culture minister, Yolande Bain-Hosford, has confirmed that Grenada's 2022 carnival celebrations taking place on August 8 and 9 will adopt a blended approach of in-person participation and virtual involvement. Spice Mass 2022 will take a blended approach with in-house and virtual audiences. There will be a heavy emphasis on preserving our culture and mitigating risk. The COVID-19 protocol will be in place in accordance with the national policy, she said in a news conference on Tuesday, February 22, 2022. Grenada canceled carnival activities in 2020 and 2021 because of the COVID-19 pandemic. Baines Hosford said that the government has been very concerned about the economic, social, and psychosocial implications that not having carnival has had on people, and if not held for a third year, there can be further implications. She explains that Spice Mass Corporation, which is the body responsible for administering and managing carnival, was mandated to explore the possibility of having a carnival this year being mindful of the COVID-19 pandemic. And finally, Trinidad and Tobago Newsday reports that the Bricks Hotel autograph collection by Marriott International at Colblenz Avenue Cascade is the newest hotel in Trinidad and Tobago. It has 159 rooms and three suites. In addition to the restaurant and rooftop, there is a fitness center, outdoor patio, bar, and a grab-and-go deli, which offers coffee, salad, sandwiches, snacks, and desserts. The hotel's owner, the Superior Hotel Group, is also considering including the spa, which would be contracted out rather than being run by the hotel. John Abood, chairman of Superior Hotels, told Business Day that the group bought the property formerly the Carlton Savannah when it came up for sale in 2014. The idea was to build a hotel to complement Trinidad and Tobago's tourism product, especially the Five Island Water and Amusement Park in Chaguaramas, in which the directors of Sapira Hotels are also investors. Renovations on the bricks began in 2014. Because of the pandemic, construction was shut down, productivity was low, and there were delays and increased costs in securing and shipping furniture and equipment, increasing the completion cost from 300 million to 400 million. The hotel was officially opened on February 12th and fully opened on February 16th when its first guest arrived. The Briggs manager, Neil Studeman, from Germany personally selected the hotel staff. The hotel will employ over 150 people directly and all will be nationals except for the general manager. Food and beverage manager Jason Hadley too was proud of the selection of the kitchen's management team and the restaurant's front of house staff. He said some had several years of international experience, including executive chef Leslie Green, who spent over 20 years with the Royal Caribbean Cruise Line. 
This has been your Pulse of the Caribbean, Caribbean News Roundup for Thursday, February 24th. I'm Keisha Wallace, thanking you for choosing Pulse of the Caribbean, Caribbean News Roundup as your source for Caribbean-centered news. Be sure to spread the word to family, friends, and associates. For more Caribbean news stories and information, visit us online at pulseofthecaribbean.com and be sure to like and follow us on Facebook, now Meta.